Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 17. We are going through a series right now entitled 1 Corinthians, Flipping the Switch from Us to Others. The primary reason I've named it that is because there's an ongoing theme in the book. Many of your Sunday school classes are in 1 Corinthians right now. And that is the theme for moving from... um, immature Christianity to mature Christianity. As a matter of fact, in the first part of 1 Corinthians 3, he'll make the statement. He says, I cannot speak to you as mature. I have to speak to you as babes. And over in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child, as an active child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The Corinthians were believers, but they were believers who were stuck. They were stuck in a culture of self-centeredness. When God calls us to be selfless, one of the wonderful things about the song that we sang, All Praise to Thee, is that Paul is pointing the Philippians in Philippians 2 to have the mind that Jesus Christ did. He came to earth to die for you, not for his sake. Did you know that? He came to earth to die for you for your sake, to make the sacrifice for your sake. So we live our lives for the sake of others as well. So this series of sermons is a challenge to flip the switch. We've gone through four of these so far. We're on the fourth one today. The first one we talked about limiting our liberties for the sake of others. We're free. We have the authority to do many things. But that doesn't mean we should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Then we talked about gathering together for others. The first Lord's Supper was not as much a worship service as, as it was a fellowship gathering. And folks gathered together. And some people were putting their own self-interest before the interests of others. And then Easter Sunday, we talked about living out the gospel for others. We looked at 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 15. That's what you're called to do. Share the gospel with others. To let them know the good news of Jesus is alive today. Amen? It's the good news. Let people know and to live your life in accord with that because people need the Lord. Well, today we're going to talk about growing the church for others. Can I, I want to tell you this. I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I believe this with all my heart. God wants his church to grow. Now, I'm going to be spiritual, and then I'm going to maybe not be in your mind, but I think I still am. He does want it to grow spiritually. Everybody with me on that? Okay, and we'll talk about that. But he also wants it to grow physically. And I don't think any of us ought to have what Ken Hemphill once called the bonsai theory of church growth, which was let's, let's have as few people as we can. Let's keep it as small as we can. Because the fact is, if you're going to reach everybody, you may not know everybody, but everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. And we've got a huge metropolitan city coming our way. We've got tons of people around us. I can tell you for certain from knocking on doors, There are people all around us that need the Lord and need a place to connect to God. And other churches are out there doing it, but that doesn't mean we ought ought not be doing it as well. So this is about growing the church. And this is what this area, this sermon area focuses on today. So let's stand in honor of God's word and listen to what Paul says. He's talking about the corporate church. Now these truths can be applied to the individual and they should be. But it goes deeper than that. It goes to growing the church. And we're going to look at it from three different perspectives today. Here's what Paul says. I planted, Apollos watered, but God 
gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds it. That's in bold print for a reason. Let each one take heed how he builds it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And as you read that, I want you to think, not just as an individual, but think about the church. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let's pray. Father, just help me faithfully to preach your word today. Help us to hear you speak to us through your word. Help us to have a desire in our hearts to see your church, the local expression of your church here in Rosenberg, in this building, and among these people grow. Lord, that is our greatest desire, is to see your kingdom expanded to see kingdom impact in our world and lord we want it not to be superficial growth but lord we want to see supernatural growth so father just be glorified in the message today help us to be faithful to your word we ask this in jesus name amen maybe seated i'm gonna look at three different perspectives today the first one i want to talk about with regard to how do you grow a church has to do with what's called the farming perspective how many of you grew up on a farm? Would you raise your hand? Okay, we got a few. We got a few. I did not, so I'm speaking mostly from ignorance. But hopefully I'll be in the ballpark as I speak today. First, he's going to use the illustration of a farm, the idea of planting and watering and God providing the increase. So let's take a look at that perspective of growing a church. First, everyone has a role to play. If you notice, he says, I planted, Apollos watered. And one of the things that they were dealing with, if you read earlier in the passage, I think in verse 4 it is, is that he says in, in chapter 3, verse 4, is that some of you are saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. And you have this, this personality worship, this person worship. And Paul's saying to them, look, we've all got our role. Some are planters. Some are waterers. Some might even be weeders. Some might be harvesters. But everybody's got to do their role. Now, every role is going to be different. But everybody's got to do the role. If you're going to see a harvest, everybody has to do their job. Some people have to do multiple jobs, but it, you've at least got to have every job done. Amen? Farmers out there? Okay. But notice this. Whatever job you do, who does the growing? 
God does the growing. We understand that. You know that if you plant a garden at home, if you plant something at home, if you have a big garden or whatever, you do all the work of preparing the soil and the water and the weeding and the planting and the plowing and everything. You do all that. But the fact is, at the end of the day, if God doesn't want you to have a crop, you won't have a crop. God is the one who grows it. And you ultimately, no matter what you do with regard to that, you've got to trust him with it. You've got to do the preparatory work you can't just sit in the house and say, what's the deal? Why aren't my peas growing or whatever when you haven't gone out there taking care of your peas or planting your peas? But God's the one who does the growing. So we have to understand that. And it's vanity apart from God to expect any growth to take place. And let me just say a word about this farming because let me encourage you if you want to to write down two passages of Scripture here. 2 Timothy 2, 6 and 7 and James 5, 7, and 8 speaks of two qualities of the farmer that are very, very important. One is patience. A farmer's got to have patience. Secondly is hard work. The Timothy passage, Paul says, work hard like a farmer and results will eventually come. And in James it says, be therefore patient and do like what a farmer does. So you have to understand, as you think about growing this church supernaturally, and seeing long-term growth in the life of our church, there's a little bit of a farming mentality we've got to have as we move forward. Because I want our church to grow. My question is, do you want our church to grow? Do you? So you've got to have a farming mentality. And there's got to be unity in the task as well. If you look at the same passage, verses 6 through 9, notice he says this. He says that he who plants and he who waters are one. Now, that doesn't mean they do the same thing, because we already know one plants and one waters. But it does mean they're of one purpose, they're of one goal, they are of one mind. So whatever anybody's doing, whether it's plowing, weeding, watering, planting, whatever, there is an, a goal you're shooting for. There's a purpose you're shooting for at the end of all things that you're going to work together to see a oneness of goal and purpose. That needs to occur. And finally, I want you to see the reward for the work. The reward for the work. Notice that Paul says each person will be rewarded for what they do. Now, we're going to see in the next perspective, in just a second, the building perspective, that just because you do something, listen, just because you do something as a church, that doesn't mean you're going to be rewarded. Okay? That's important to see. But let's be clear that God is all about rewarding his people for their faithfulness. So let me ask you, one day when you see Jesus face to face, in your, in your passage of scripture, the word the day is capitalized, it's the day of the Lord. You're, let's all agree, we're going to see him face to face one day. Amen? We're all going to see him face to face. Are you going to be ready as a part of God's people for what you've done as a part of God's purpose and plan? Are you going to be ready to stand before the Lord and give an account? And do you want the reward? I'm telling you, I don't care if you think it's selfish or not. I want the reward. I want the well done. I'm not looking for a legacy here on earth. I want the well done. Do you know what I mean by the well done? I want to stand before him and I want to hear, well done, you good and faithful servant. More than anything else in my life, that's what I need and that's what I want. 
I want that reward. If there's a crown of life that goes with that, there's a crown of righteousness, and God wants to give it to me, that's fine. You know what? I'm going to give it right back to him because he's the one who deserves it. But, beloved, it's okay to shoot for rewards that God wants to give you. Now, you think it may think it sounds more spiritual to say, well, I'm not doing it for the reward. But if the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of heaven wants to give his children rewards, let it motivate you. You're not more spiritual if you don't want what God wants to give you. Did you hear what I said? You're not more spiritual if you don't want what God wants to give you. And according to this passage, what does he want to give? He wants to give rewards. So think about that. Well, that's the first perspective, and I want to stay there for just a second because I want to share a real-life illustration of the importance of this farming mentality because I really think in church life, the farming mentality with regard to church growth has been lost. And I will use a real-life example. Probably about 2010, God began to convict me about just going door to door. I would initially do it with prayer walking. This was something I started to do with churches that I was at, and we would just go door to door. And when I came here, I didn't immediately do it. And as a matter of fact, it was Omar and Jason Freely who were actually doing it before I was doing it. And God began to convict me about this. He said, John, I want you to start chopping off a part of your time, start tithing your time to do personal evangelism okay so i said yes lord and so wednesday became a good time to do that and i would go with our missionary who would stay here and at this point in time we've got about three or four guys who go with us we try to go every wednesday we knock on doors and god has been so great 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 gracious to us in that we've probably been able to knock on every door from Avenue I to Baymore, all the way down to Bowie School. We've, we're almost through with another subdivision over here. You know what? It's just been a little bit at a time and knocking on doors. Now, let me, here's, where, here's where the thing comes in with the not having the farming mentality. Okay? Because I've had people pose two questions or statements to me when I share this. And I've heard this from members and I've heard it from ministers. And I want you to hear my response. Because I've thought about this. Because these questions or statements always, as we say in Mississippi, it chaps my hide. You may say that in Texas, too. I don't know. I'm learning you say a lot of Mississippi things in Texas. Um, but I get asked these two things. I, I get these two statements. One is, well, we tried that here, but it didn't work. Well, we tried that here, but we didn't work. It doesn't work. And then I get, does it work? those two and that always feels like those questions are coming from the wrong place because here's the question I would ask you does farming work how many of you have been okay let's try this question have you, how many of you, how many of you have, does farming work okay how many okay just to drive my point home how many of you have been to the grocery store and noticed they've got this thing called the produce section Okay? I'm, I'm just trying to drive a point home. Does farming work? Yes. It doesn't work like manufacturing works. It takes patience. And by the way, does farming work? Yes, and farming is work. Farming is work. Farming takes work. It takes patience. It takes time. 
You know what? I'm driving in from Needville today where we live, and I'm looking at these fields that are barren right now with little bitty sprigs of green. And I, if I expected immediate results, I would have given it up a long time ago. But we know when you farm, you don't see immediate results, do you? But you keep at it. You keep at it. And I would propose to you that the church today, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church today, the reason we don't see the growth in our church is because we've lost the ability to do the hard work and have the patience of the farming perspective when it comes to growing a church. Because I'm telling you, on Wednesdays at 10 a.m., I know I'm farming. And it works. Does that make sense? So how do you grow a church? You grow it from a farming perspective. But Paul then shifts gears and he says you also grow it from a building perspective. From a building perspective. Notice what he says. He says you are God's building. We are the building and we are the builders. And we're not talking about this physical building. This is a beautiful physical building and we are grateful for it. But beloved, this is not the church. You understand that? This physical building is not the church. You are the church. You would continue to exist as the church if you were a child of God apart from the church. The church is the people. The church is the people. You've got to understand that. So he says you are God's building. After all, at the very beginning of the church, they weren't meeting in nice sanctuaries. They were doing what they could sometimes to stay alive. But you are God's building and you are God's builders. And as a matter of fact, Paul uses the phrase, he says, as a wise master builder. Speaking of himself, I have, I have built upon this foundation. And the word master builder is a term from that language that had to do with a architect-contractor-builder combination. How many of you have ever built a house or been involved in the building of a house? Okay, you know there's a lot that goes into that, don't you? There's a lot that goes into that. Uh, Joe Gonzalez was nice enough to uh, let me borrow a set of plans and this is a nice looking house here, okay? Not mine. But these plans are very specific. That's where they're called specifications. Very specific. And you know with a set of plans, you need to have a clear set of plans, do you not? You've got to have a clear set of plans. And Joe's going to whoop me if I mess these up, so I'm going to roll them back up. But you need to have a clear set of plans. Every part of the way, you need to have a clear set of plans. Not only do you have a clear set of plans, but... A, a contractor or a builder has to have something called a draw sheet. That means they do certain things in a certain order, and if you don't do them in a certain order, you don't get the job done. There's a draw sheet you've got to have. There's a certain set of plans. Now, our plans are not that hard. They're taken from the Word of God, and they are to make disciples. And one of the things we're trying to do in the whole simple church process is we're trying to clarify the way we describe in very simple terms that disciple-making process. We're trying to be very clear about the blueprint and the plans in such a way that we can understand it. And in the process, we're also trying to understand what is our draw sheet, what needs to be done first, what needs to be done second, what needs to be done third, because there's some things when you're building a house, you can't get them out of order. Okay? You've got to do things in a particular order. You've got to start with a foundation. Can we agree on that? And you build from there. But there's a sequence, there's an order by which you do these things. So you have to understand 
that we are a building, that God is building in an orderly plan, a spiritual building, but we are also, there are those among us who are wise master builders, seeking to be architects for this thing. And both of them are by grace. Do you know that? Both of them are by grace. You know what? I pray God blesses our church, not just spiritually, but numerically. But if he does, you know how much credit the preacher ought to get for that? That much. You know how much credit you ought to get for it? Same amount. Zero. Because you know, even the building of the house only comes by the grace of God. Even the plans only come by the grace of God. Even the ability to do the plans only comes by the grace of God. Even the strength to endure in the building. And I'm telling you, I built a house. It's, a, it's an endurance race to build a house, isn't it? By the grace of God. So it comes by the grace of God, and everyone has a role to play. And here's that verse I want you to see. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. We know there's only one foundation. That's who? Jesus Christ. But above that foundation, houses can be built different ways. There's got to be some specific things that are there, but you can build different ways. Let each one take heed how he builds. Now, to me, that's an incredibly important statement. Our concern is not just what we are doing, but how we do it as well. What's, what is the process? And this is the whole zero-based budgeting, simple church conversation we're having is about this. It's about the how. How do we make disciples? How do we put together a spending plan for our resources? How do we shape our schedule? How do we staff in order to accomplish the mission? How do we schedule events? How do we do church? How are we going to view our time here as believers? It's about the how. We know what the what is. It's about making disciples. We know who the who is. It's about God reaching us so that we can reach others for the glory of God and Jesus Christ. We know the why because God loves us and we ought to love others as well. We know the when, right now, as soon as possible, until he returns. We know the where, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But the key here is the how. Take heed how you build upon the foundation. And the foundation is who? It's Jesus. That never changes. That never changes. Don't build on any other foundation. But take heed how you build on that foundation because how you build has consequences. Take a look at the passage there. He says, and if you build on top of that thing, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, fire will come, the testing will come, and your works will be tested. Maybe on that day when you stand before the Lord and you'll find out what really mattered. Can, can we agree that when fire hits gold and fire hits silver and fire hits precious metals, that fire affects those things different than it affects wood, hay, and stubble. And there's nothing wrong with wood, hay, and stubble. But the fact is, if you build your house with things that do not endure, why start doing it now at all? Because the fact is, just like we'll stand before the Lord one day and receive a reward, We'll also stand before the Lord one day and give an account of how we built, of how we built. 
And it's very possible that some of us may stand before the Lord one day and think that we've got a nice-looking house. But God's fire and God's testing will hit that house. And what we thought was important won't be as important as we thought it was. Because what matters most is what matters to God. Take heed how you build. Well, if you're going to grow a church, you've got to look at it from the farming perspective, from the building perspective, and finally, we cannot miss this, the temple perspective. Paul has a way of saying these statements that sort of remind the Corinthians that they need to tighten up on what they know. He says, do you not know? Don't you know that your, your body, you as a body, are a temple of the Holy Spirit of God? And if you defile the temple God will destroy you. And the word for defile and destroy are the very same words there in the original language. He said, if you're going you're gonna to treat my body this way, then it'll come back in consequences to you for this very important reason. And the church has lost sight of this, I'm afraid, in so many places. Because you are holy. You are holy. Not this building, but you are holy. You are called to be holy. Is everybody with me on that? Because you are where the Holy Spirit lives. You are where God dwells. You are called to be holy. And if we're going to build this thing, we're going to grow this church, we can't just have the farming mindset. Listen to me. We can't just have the building mindset. We've got to have the temple mindset as well because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And to not treat it as holy is to have to deal with the consequences. So this whole sermon's been about some very simple things, and I'm through, but listen. We want to grow the church of God, not primarily for us. See, what I'm telling you here is not for me. It's for everybody but me, for others. That's what mature Christians do. That's what happens when you flip the switch, and we understand this growth from three very important perspectives, from the farming perspective, from the building perspective, and from the temple perspective. So, beloved, are you ready to grow? Are you ready to grow? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord, but I'm here to tell you that God loves you and wants you to be a part of his building plan. He wants you to be a part of his construction project. And it's not about things, it's about people. God wants you to be a laborer with him as a part of the great field he's working. You know, Jesus said to his followers in Luke 9, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. There's that farming mentality that he'll send out laborers into the harvest. Beloved, we need laborers who are of one purpose, who are out there ready to farm the fields, build the buildings, and realize the Holy Spirit lives within us as we do. Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to grow? Maybe you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. I'd be glad to pray with you today and talk to you more about that. Are you ready to grow? Let me just lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we can't do any of this without you. We need you more than life and breath and oxygen and water 
Lord, we need you. We're going to be the church you've called us to be. It cannot be superficial. It's got to be supernatural. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen.